But if you look back, like for me, if I think back to my classes in high school and college, the ones that out of the hundreds of classes I took, the two or three that really stuck with me were the ones that I was challenged and loved the experience. The ones I worked hard, the one I was motivated to work hard. Uh, the ones that I kind of re vaguely remember are the ones that were too easy. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Start Ed Up podcast, a member of the Education Podcast Network. Today, I have on two guests from the Wellington School there in Columbus, Ohio. And what I love is, you're going to meet John and Rob here in a second, they have found a engagement index. And it is fascinating. Uh, the difference between being entertained or being too difficult, um, the how to measure engagement, what does it mean for the classroom? What does it mean? Uh, you know, how do you look at this data and see overall student success? They've kind of got it down. And this is really interesting. I, I, if you are a teacher, I want you to share this one because I think they're on to something special. If you're not a teacher and you're a parent, take a listen to some of the differences in what they're talking about. And if you're a student, give this a listen anyway. I think you'll be uh, pretty impressed by the differences uh, between classes. Even that soundbite at the top of the show, um, to me, was eye-opening. All right, dig in. I know you're going to love this one. Like, again, share this one with your friends. I think this is going to have a neat dialogue. And then lastly, reach out to them. They gave their information there at the end of the show. It's also in the show notes. Uh, they're very responsive and would love to hear from you. Other than that, without further ado, here's John and Rob from the Wellington School. All right, joining me now from Columbus, Ohio, there at the Wellington School is John Cruzan and Rob Brisk. Thanks, guys, for joining me. Delighted to be here. Great to be here. All right. So we connected via email, and I love the fact you guys reached out, and uh, you're telling me all some of the cool things you guys got going on there at the Wellington School. Uh, so fill in our listeners on some of the cool things you guys are, are currently working on. Well, I think there are a couple of things that we're really excited about. We've really based uh, our work on trying to increase student engagement, and we identify engagement as being the, the where um, two phenomena happen at the same time, that students are deeply challenged by their work and they love it. And we think if, if we have both of those factors at the same time, that students are going to do their best work and they're going to be hungry for more. So among the work that we've done is we have started a program actually five years ago of student engagement grants in which we empower teachers to collaborate, to create program that they think will drive engagement. And the other thing we're really excited about is that we have developed a tool to measure student engagement in every classroom for every student. So, uh, so let's, let's get into that. Let's unpack that a little bit because that's we're starting off pretty, pretty broad. Um, give me, for examples, uh, kind of at the high school level. In terms of the student engagement grants? Yes. Like what, uh, what, is, like what kind of grants are they offering? Well, essentially, we were really upset by the fact that teachers get paid more for standardized test results as um, determined by legislatures. And we tried to think about what it would be that we would want to reward teachers for or invest in. And we thought that it was um, innovative and creative thinking. So um, we allow uh, teachers, we encourage teachers to apply for grants for a year to develop anything that they're, they're interested in working that they think will um, increase engagement. So among the kinds of things that we've done is uh, we sent a teacher to the Stanford D School who uh, then came back and created a, a design course for us and, and has been the beginning of a lot of design work that we're doing in the school. Um, 
another kind of project. Uh, we were kind of tired of students not liking Shakespeare in ninth grade, and we had a teacher who invited uh, a bunch of actors, four actors from a local professional theater group, to come work with, direct the students and uh, as they're doing Julius Caesar and work very closely with them. So uh, what we found is that it turns out that we've got a whole generation of students here who love Shakespeare for the first time in, in our career. Uh, so almost anything you can think of is fair game for our teachers. Let's let's dive into some of the things that are, are you're starting to see, some of the trends you're starting to emerge as you're starting to increase engagement. Um, like, uh, let me go back a couple steps. When did you guys kind of have this new approach, this new um, philosophy? We started talking about this about five years ago uh, as we were trying to actually, um, as we were trying to figure out what would make us a, a, an even greater school. Um, and for us, one of the things that really struck us was we are not the final educational experience for all of our kids. And that the most significant thing we could do for students, as well as teaching them to know stuff and do stuff, would be to be hungry for more. Um, and so we were really curious about how well we were doing that. And if we weren't doing that, um, we really felt that that was something that we needed to, to fix. And then along those lines, as we began to evaluate these uh, engagement grants, we needed a way to decide whether something was successful or not. Uh, there's a, a, a broad set of innovative programs you can try, but how do you know which ones to keep and how do you know which ones to say we're an interesting experiment, but we're going to move on from them. And that's why we developed a tool that allows us to uh, quantify the measurement of the engagement. So we developed... Yeah. Yeah, we developed this tool that we called Wellington Engagement Index, and it's uh, a way to ask the students on a regular basis uh, the level of engagement that they have in the various courses. So as we were beginning to roll out some of these innovative programs from the teachers, we were then also to back it up by data and see uh, which of those actually moved the student experience and which didn't. Yeah, I remember when you reached out to me, you're talking about the the the, the uh, engagement index, and I thought, well, okay, that's something I definitely want to know more about. Um, but at the same time, uh, how this is kind of driven, or and, and at the same time, I hate to sound like, you know, is this driving the other data in the other areas? Um, but I guess I have to ask that your engagement index. Do you see other correlations to other performance um, related? numbers. Boy, I'm, I'm sounding so scattered. I'm sorry. But like basically, is the engagement index an indicator of other student success uh, outside them being engaged? Uh, yeah, we begin to see patterns. Uh, we're able to see uh, students at risk or students that are particularly successful. Um, and uh, we've done some statistical correlations with grades. And generally, you would they track the way you expect them to be as student move to the engaged quadrant, uh, their grades rise. Um, although uh, there are some counterintuitive, well, there's some uh, areas where grades are not maybe reflective of the actual learning. Uh, if a student is truly bored, they can be bored for a variety of reasons, one of which is they are particularly bright and not challenged enough. Well, so, yeah, that, uh, that, was, that was one of the points I was going to get to. I mean, uh, this is the well, this is the real catch 22 uh, that I, that I've seen some people that like um, that they're good students, but they're not necessarily engaged. Like, you know, I can sleep my way through this and it's not going to be a challenge. 
Uh, and then kind of what you're alluding to, sometimes the grades don't reflect then the, the work. Um, I, I've, I've without a doubt had students that had decent to low grades in class because they just didn't do the compliance part, but the actual learning was there in spades. Um, right. So and like th- this is now a question of, of relevance in, in our curriculum, obviously. And, and, and what have you guys seen there? Um, well, personally, I, uh, from the, from the, uh, progressive side of John Cruzan, uh, I don't think grades really tell us what they really, uh, everybody believes that they do. So <laughs> Great, 100%. I percent in, uh, in the world of the, our engagement index, for example, I think we may get a better picture about what the student's learning experience is. For example, if you watch a trajectory of a student who is engaged in uh, sixth grade and then is less engaged in se- seventh grade and less engaged in eighth grade, and the trajectory is heading towards what we call the entertained quadrant. Um, uh, that is a signal to us, their grades might still be getting A's, but now we can see that that student should be maybe enrolled in an enrichment program or an independent project um, because they're expressing to us that it's too easy. And we might not see that in grades, but we can clearly see it in the engagement index. And it's a way for us to um, enhance their learning uh, very easily because we see them sending us a signal. And Don, I know it's it's a bad thing to try to to talk about graphics on a podcast, but I just <laughs> want, we keep talking about quadrants, and I just want to lay that out really briefly. That we see four quadrants. When students are challenged and love it, we call that engaged. When students are challenged and hate it, we call that the grind. They may learn a whole lot, but they may never want to touch that material again. Um, if they are unchallenged and hate it. We call that bored, um, and then we've had we've struggled for the name for unchallenged and love it. We mostly call it entertained. Um, <laughs> I was going to say it's called social know, media use. Right, it's, <laughs> right. You know, it's a nice like, place to be, but you're not pushed very hard, and you're right. Not, you're scrolling through your feed, right? Yeah, you're not not necessarily going to be compelled to do greater. Well, work. But, but man, I. I'm going to get myself in trouble saying this. Like that's the sweet spot for what a lot of us want. Right. You know, I, I know, and I, I say this a lot of times when I give speeches, like when I went to college, we longed for the professor that was easy. Mm-hmm. I wasn't there to get an education. I was there to get a degree. Right. Let me tell you just a, a quick story. Uh, at one point, we had a whole set of dots on our quadrant for a particular teacher. And I asked the teacher, who are the, who are the five most voracious learners in your class? Who really brings it every day? And she identified five students. We looked at them, and four of them were in the board quadrant. She never knew that until until we had the data to provide. And once she knew that, there's re- you know what do you do with that information when you have that as a teacher? Um, when you have your your students telling you that they are under challenged, and our experience has been that they will tell you that. And along your lines of your your what you wanted in your college classes. But if you look back, like for me, if I think back to my classes in high school and college, the ones that out of the hundreds of classes I took, the two or three that really stuck with me were the ones that I was challenged and loved the experience. The ones I worked hard, the one I was motivated to work hard. Uh, the ones that I kind of re- vaguely remember are the ones that were too easy. Yeah, but I think that's that's one of the things that we have to address, and I'm glad that you guys are doing that. Is that um, that knowing, like having a, a grade in a piece of paper, used to be relevant. 
and it did. And as we change and evolve rapidly, it's, you know, what skills do you possess? Uh, because if you, you know, if you, if, 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 this, if the grade says, or the transcript says that you're done, you did with flying colors, but you can't produce and you can't demonstrate the skills that you're supposed to have, then now it's just, it's silly. But um, too many times in high school, middle school, you know, K-12, you know, oh, I did it and my grade was okay. was good enough, even though you may have been bored silly. Well, if you're bored silly, then you didn't really acquire the skills kind of thing. Yeah, um, we, we've coined a new term recently that Rob and I have been kind of uh, uh, tossing back and forth and we like it. Uh, we've been referring to it as the challenge gap. Um, it's sort of the idea that uh, we're not asking the students to do the, what they are capable of doing. We're asking them to do what the minimum says to do. And that the, what we've been able to see is that you can, you can expect way more from students and drive them to do way more and learn way more before they begin to turn off. And I think a lot of the standardized testing minimum standards things have, have set a bar that's lower than the capacity of students to, to produce and learn. And this, this, what we've seen from our index is the ability to push students further and, um, and, and, and kind of meet that, uh, meet that moment where they find passion from a particularly challenging uh, environment. So how has the, um, how has this kind of driven some different practices at your school with the teachers? Are, are they taking a look at this? Are they bothered by it? And, and obviously I, I shouldn't ask for you to bad mouth, but like, was there general acceptance first or reluctance or did they think this was kind of wacky or, or what, what was the feedback at, at first? Well, when we started, the first thing we started with were the student engagement grants, and uh, teachers were were being asked to submit ideas for which we would um, we would pay them, and and their creativity uh, was being compensated, and that was extraordinarily extraordinarily popular, and has continued to be extraordinarily popular. When we then said, as part of it, that we were developing ways to try to measure our success. Um, we found great willingness uh, on on their part because they had bought into the the concept that what we were aiming here for here was um, was engagement. So we really that went very well here. Oops. And from a I I, I still teach, and so uh, I I get my own results. I get my own dots. I look at them, and when they're lower than I want. I I welcome that information. It's it a lot of times when we talk to groups of teachers about this, it's like this is what's going on inside your students' heads. Why wouldn't you want to know it? If you were able to have that information as a professional, why wouldn't you want to know it? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. and, and I as a teacher, it's a little it was, you know, it can be a little scary that first time when you're like what am I going to see? But what you do is you go, hey, you know, I'm doing pretty well, except in this one course I bombed this year. So what what did I do? I looked at those dots and I said, man, why was that such an experience that was off? Yeah. And and then you have that moment to reflect. And the other thing we've done is we do peer reflections, too, where teachers can talk to each other about it and share strategies of particularly difficult sections or grade levels. And um, it's it's all a moment that focuses on you know, growth and opportunity to find things that you can improve on. 
And not, I think one of the, you know, if you ask teachers what they want, uh, how many teachers are inspired by the notion of helping students to reach minimum uh, standards, um, as opposed to how many teachers would love to be able to help students find a passion that is challenging and that might help to direct their lives. That's, I think, what we all want. Um, and the engagement grants and the measurements are aimed at that. So we're really trying to aim at a much higher standard um, that really goes beyond standardization and, and yeah. minimum standards. No, that's what's making my heart flutter. I mean, I, I love hearing that. Um, a couple points you made. Number one, yes, I mean, God forbid we, we take a little bit of focus off the, are you completing minimum standards versus are, you know, are, are you living for something? Are you finding something? Are you, are you zeroing in on something that you're compelled to do? I love that. Love that. Nice. But, um, you know, sometimes uh, we're a slow moving uh, beast kind of thing. And, and I can imagine with a new tool like this, while I love it, um, you know, I, I, I <laughs> sometimes I have to admit, you know, I don't like stepping on scales and saying it either. Right. Um, mm-hmm. right. <laughs> you say, right. what, exactly. you know, who, who doesn't like good feedback? Well, depending on what I ate this weekend and my level of regret, you know, a lot of people don't like feedback. Um, right fundamentally we all should look for it but but i can also um you know when i was especially it was as a middle school teacher there was always this um and i'm not saying this to bad mouth but it was always this yeah but kind of thing um you know our state standards standardized test scores if they went up is because we did a pretty good job and if they didn't go up well and, I, and actually you know especially during this time the the the, the test was toward the beginning of the year so we could pass the buck and say, well, last year, sixth grade teachers didn't really do a good job. Or if they were great, you're like, yeah, what a good boy am I? Um, so we, we kind of would have a, 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 a straw man or a scapegoat, so to speak, uh, that we didn't necessarily trust the test. Um, here now you have a, a, an index of sorts. Um, this is a completely different animal because it's not asking whether, you know, they found the, the, you know, value of X, but this is kind of probably more, um, I'm assuming like on a scale of one to 10, how satisfied you were with blank from the students. Am I correct in that? Yeah, it's, uh, it's basically a gestalt type uh, reaction okay. to the overall experience in the course. Uh, we asked them to rate it on a, uh, a negative 200 to positive 200 axis, basically. It's, um, it's, a, it's an XY grid that you'd see from Algebra 1 class. Uh, and what you do is you place each of your classes on that dot where the horizontal axis is how much you love from positive love to negative hate of the experience. And then on the vertical axis, it's from a negative unchallenged to a positive challenged. Uh, so you're just gonna place your dot for your class on each of those, on that axis. And you're, we asked them to do it uh, a couple times a trimester. And uh, so over time, we can see trends in courses. We can see trends in teachers. We can see trends for individual students. And um, these patterns allow us to see um, how they're moving through our curriculum, uh, which parts of our curriculum we might want to improve. And uh, we also have moments where we see which parts of our curriculum are outstanding and where we might be able to pull some things from those and I think essentially what we've tried to develop here is a culture of innovation for students and teachers. And if, you're, if you want to do the same old thing, then this isn't terribly useful. But if you've accepted a culture of innovation 
um, then this is something that that you want to be part of. So we find that we've drawn teachers to us because of this approach. Um, we've also got this going in how many other schools? Um, we're up to 12 other schools that are actively using it. Uh, they span from uh, charter schools in Brooklyn to uh, uh, public schools in Kansas, and then a variety of uh, different size independent schools um, around the country now. And, um, and so we're, we're beginning to see the adoption of this idea in a lot of different places. It's not just a school that is born out of entrepreneurial uh, founders like Wellington. It's rural Kansas uh, farming community school that's also embracing this idea. One of the things that really fascinates me is that um, when we start talking with school leaders in other schools, we get two reactions. The school leader is always really excited about it. Um, but half the time they come back and say, we've talked to our, we've talked to our people. They're really eager. We want to be part of this. We, we can get such great information about the work we're doing. And then the other half, we have school leaders who say, my faculty's terrified, another way to evaluate them. Um, and I'm going to have to pass on this. Yeah, so, that was my next question. <laughs> right. And what, what we find is that, that in part, there's got to be some level of trust and there's got to be a commitment to um, innovation and to a, a higher calling than standardized testing. So, uh, and if you've got those two things, we've found that this has been uh, enormously useful. And if you don't, you're yeah. scared of it. Well, that's kind of the point I was making earlier with the straw man, like, darn if you do, darn if you don't. Like, in some ways, well, you really can't trust that test because it wasn't reliable and you can brush it off. I was kind of wondering the same thing, except this is from, you know, your customer base. Right. Um, which is a little different and, and, and it's not as much um, compliance as it is them giving you feedback, but we are still living in a world that a lot of teachers and a lot of times justifiably so feel like they're under attack. And this is just another way of telling me that I'm not doing well. Well, on the other hand, I, I sincerely love your insight in that, you know, this is a new innovative approach. It's, it's more customer centered. So right. I, I could, I could see then, and I'm not trying to be mean, but the old guard of, Hey, my kids get great SAT scores. What the heck do you mean I'm not engaging? Uh, right. My ki- my kids memorize at a at a high level. Um, the 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 the, the <laughs> resistance uh, on that side, I can I can see is probably um, kind of a head scratcher on that catch twenty two as well. Right, and our and our feeling is we're very clear about um, our need and our wish to innovate and to. Uh, and to and to do more for students than than standardized testing. And if your position is simply you want to maximize standardized testing, you don't have to go to the bother of all this. Our issue is we want for we want for our country and our our state and our school. We want for students who are going to be hungry for more. Um, and you can't do that through standardized testing. And there's been recent studies that show that engaged students perform better on standardized tests as well, um, where they have the ability to focus throughout that two to four hour session um, that gets developed by being being able to be engaged in an intellectual activity in classes. So um, we think even peripherally, uh, some of the things we're looking at uh, improving will actually potentially have a benefit for those students sitting there taking those traditional tests. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. And I love the fact that you know, the Wellington School was like, hey, we've got a good tool here. Does anybody else want to use it? <laughs> you know, the, 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 right. the fact that other schools are starting to, hey, what do you got over there? I, I think is really, really exciting because um, 
you know, when it's led by a, a school and it's not necessarily just a, um, you know, another publishing company putting out a Scantron kind of thing. I, I think that's a, that's a, a unique uh, venture for sure. And, and to get the feedback on it. So uh, I, right. I sincerely, you know, I'm tipping my hat to, to you guys and, and the Wellington School for sure. Well, thank you. Yeah, and we've, um, the thing that comes about from the index when other schools start to ask, um, what does it tell us and what do we need to fix? Um, that's usually where we say, well, the index doesn't tell you that. The index tells you there's an issue or there's a strength, and then uh, it's up to you to find uh, what the reason behind it is. And we ex- executed some other experiments and some other trials here at Wellington along those lines and uh, to investigate what is the what is the reason behind what the students are telling us? And Rob ran a project uh, that we call the picture project, which I thought was, was brilliant. And we used some analysis of, of uh, free text, free form text responses from students about what their engaged experiences were and were not. And we came to three uh, really powerful conclusions about what makes a engaged experience versus what doesn't. And we're now using those uh, to try and drive our teachers' improvements. And Rob, you want to mention what those three were? Yeah, they're um, quite simple. And I think there's no great secret here, but we found three things. One was that um, autonomy was a really significant issue. If students could make some determination about some aspect of their own work, if they had some level of control, uh, that that, that that seemed to boost engagement significantly. Secondly, can action with the teacher was really significant. And then the third thing was some level of mobility, uh, that sitting facing forward uh, for hours at a time was really counter to engagement. Um, So that led us to a variety of of things that we've done here that include professional development around um, how we connect and how we provide experiences of autonomy. And then we've also started to replace our furniture. We have a lot of uh, rolling stock now where we used to have those terrible sled desks that uh, pinned you down for, with, without being able to move. Um, so part of our research has also been how do we, what are the things that we can do to drive uh, greater engagement? Uh, and faculty have been really excited about that work. We find now that, that we have conversations, when, when we think we have a teacher who's struggling, we start with, you know, do, te- do the students have some degree of autonomy? Are, uh, do you have issues in connecting? And what are we doing with the furniture in your classroom? That's exciting. And and just uh, for our audience, the Wellington School, I know, is in Columbus. Uh, are you guys suburban Columbus? Where are you guys? What's, what's your makeup? Uh, yeah, we're a suburban uh, independent school. So we draw from all over the city. Uh, so we have quite a broad uh, uh, student base. Uh, it's fairly diverse. And uh, um, but we are uh, located in a fairly affluent suburb in terms of physical location. Uh, but we do draw from quite quite a, a variety of the of the area. Now, help me out. I had a guest on earlier uh, from the Hawkins School. Is that also kind of close? Uh, that's uh, in Cleveland, in the Cleveland area. Uh, Cleveland. Yep, 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 yeah. yep. Dang on it, my Ohio geography. I need to do better. <laughs> anyway, um, no, I, I I I love what you guys are doing, and and gosh. Again, uh, just love the fact that you guys came up with a tool, implemented it, tested it, put it through the ringer, and now you're sharing it with other schools. And, and uh, man, any, anything that's a, a champion of trying to um, blend a little bit of innovation with uh, teacher growth and, and well, you hit on earlier reflection and how our, our teachers can um, you know, improve their craft by 
more means than just how they're doing on the SAT or on the state test is uh, I just, I'm, I'm in love with. So I, A, I appreciate you guys reaching out to me and, and B, um, tip of the hat there to your principal, superintendent, everybody there at the Wellington School for uh, bringing this uh, to everybody. And with that, actually, um, so we got some teachers, hopefully listen to this, some superintendents, some principals going, okay, okay, tell me where I can find more. How can I contact these guys? Where can I collaborate? Tell them where they can find you. Uh, they can contact uh, Brendan Laughlin. He's uh, kind of our point person for the Wellington Engagement Index, and he can be reached at Laughlin at wellington.org. And you can also find a page about the Wellington Engagement Index on uh, www.wellington.org uh, slash WEI, I think is the URL. And uh, there, people are shaking their head at me, so I got it right. So I'm, I'm happy of that. Uh, and so you can get contact information there on our website as well. And okay. uh, we'll be and happy to get back to anybody that's interested. I was just going to say, and where can we find John Cruzan and Rob Brisk? Uh, same place. Same place. Uh, you can find That's us. Right. Uh, uh-huh. Find us on the Wellington uh, School website, www.wellington.org. Very good. Well, I I hope that uh, you guys get some uh, some people reaching out to you because I, I I love it, love it, love it, love it. Um, yeah. So guys, make sure you do that. It it won't take you too long. It'll be a brisk experience. <laughs> I've never heard that before in my <laughs> whole life, Don. <laughs> Oh, I, I hate it when people like make fun of dad jokes or puns. I'm like, cause they're awesome. Anyway, my 45 ness is showing again. All right. Well guys, sincerely, I appreciate you guys uh, reaching out and then wanting to showcase this awesome index and, and uh, all that, all that other good stuff. So uh, again, if you guys are, are interested, please reach out uh, to the Wellington school there and, and uh, get a hold of them. John, Rob from by my heart. Appreciate you guys being on. Thank you, Don. Thanks for the time. All right.